This is a War Machine Rhino. What's up? This is TJP. This is a Swingman Johnny Swinger. This is Father James Mitchell. And you're listening to Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis, Daddy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Total Nonstop Analysis, a show where I, Carmen Michael, bring along my best friends, KP and Davis, for a journey through old school TNA wrestling. It's been a crazy week so far, at least uh, for you guys. I mean, my week's been pretty normal, right? What's <laughs> It's a bit of an understatement, don't you think? Your week's been pretty normal. I mean, I'd say so. Yeah, you know, I don't, just I don't really know what you would judge, what kind of scale you're judging by, but yeah. A nice, normal, relaxing trip to Nashville for a few days. Yeah, just, I mean, people do that. Nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, people, people go to Nashville all the time. Nashville's a cool place. Music and stuff. Yeah, you know, not, nothing really happened. Well, I mean, nothing. Is in Nashville that relates to this podcast. I mean, nothing at all. That's very true. I mean, you know, just hung out with my friend TJ. You know, we oh, took some photos. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, he's uh, a really good dude. I like TJ. Ate ate some good food. Hung out in the hotel room. Uh, I was on international pay per view. Um, oh, oh, that thing. That thing, oh, oh, the international pay per view. That's what it was. Okay, <laughs> yeah, the, oh, wow. um, yeah, but, but, yeah I, I made my impact debut oh, on wow. national pay per view during the Kenny Omega Rich Swan title unification match. Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, oh well, good oh. for you. Good for you. I knew I was missing something, so uh, worked for yeah. impact for four days. That was great. Pretty sick. You know, can't can't discuss a lot of it. Yep. But I did Very provide true. some audio services. I did provide some stagehand services. I was an extra. Pretty great week all in all, other than that bastard Kenny Omega stealing our title. But uh, you know, it's it is what it is. I mean, first first AEW steals their entrance tunnels and now their championship. Well, what were they gonna do next? I don't know, but those Tony guys were looking at me all side eyed. I was ready to go over there and punch the geeky one in the face. Which geeky one? <laughs> have you seen Shivani? Yes, I have. Up close. <laughs> you can talk to Shivani about Batman all you want. But yeah, I was executive vice president Scott Demore's backup just in case, hmm. you know, the AEW guys wanted to show up and cause some mayhem. Throw some hands or something? Yeah, I'm professional yeah, that, scrapper. Well, damn, and I thought my weekend was fun. I know. I, I saw Twitter blowing up, asking questions of who I was. Yep, that was hilarious. <laughs> Some guy asked what my position was in Impact, so I quote tweeted him and said I was the vice president of Sex Appeal. <laughs> I mean, it's a good title. Hell, Hell, it's not, a job not- that we should all strive to have. Exactly. Now the real question, does Scott Demore make you an honorary member of Team Canada or not? You know, I feel like I'm a little too Southern for that. Well, that's why, that's why I said honorary. You know, if he would have been back there in the back with a hockey stick, he probably would have. 
that's true. We did have a lot of weapons, but I did not see. Y'all could have stopped Kenny from walking out with your championship, but no. See, you know, I pitched that to him. I said, what if we just run in and hit Kenny Omega with a hockey stick? With a hockey stick. Old TNA style. You know, it should have happened, but maybe that's the problem. Maybe we needed the entire podcast there so we could strategize. That would have been great. You know, I would have done, if I was in control of the books, I would have had Jeff Jarrett come out and just ring the bell and tell him that the match was, you know, that that was it. (laughs) Gather. (laughs) (laughs) It's his time to talk. Just start bullying them until he hits them with a guitar. Yeah. (laughs) The fans would love that. What I was going to say is if you were there, Prescott, you would have fangirled over Kenny Omega. We all know you. Come on now. Nah, it's true. I can keep my cool. And I'm not sure if y'all have seen the uh, photo floating around on the interwebs of Mr. Omega lying on the floor. I saw it. The championships. Saw it. But uh, what you don't see is his young boy, Carmen Michael, standing approximately <laughs> two feet away to help him up. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, uh, no, no, I would have been able to keep my goal from Kenny Omega. Okay? I, I got to meet and talk to Dan Housen, okay? I, I'm above Kenny Omega now. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I mean, like, everyone was everyone was so cool, you know, just felt like I was part of the family there. The only person that I even remotely felt nervous around or was like, oh my God, they talked to me. Was Mauro Ronaldo? <laughs> That's insane. Mauro came up to me. We we were just walking. I was walking through a door as he was coming out, and he just grabbed me by the shoulder and said, "It's so good to see you. How are you doing?" And just started like a little conversation. And I'm and, like, "I'm doing great, Mauro." And then I you didn't, find, I didn't and then really you talk realize, like that. Yeah. And then you realize that Mauro knows who you are, and you're wondering how the hell. <laughs> there was one great conversation i feel like i can talk about this <laughs> but matt striker was just joking around before we went on air for the pay-per-view it was like eh, i'm just not really feeling it today any <laughs> he said hey you want to do commentary and i was like i mean i i am a commentator <laughs> and he's like oh cool i'll paypal you <laughs> no no if i would have turned on so rebellion close. and i would have saw Carmen, Carmen Michael sitting there at the, at the announcer table. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, I would have lost it. I don't it. know if I'd be ready for that. <laughs> Y'all both um, watched the pay-per-view, right? Yeah. What was your favorite part of it? Gonna have to be cliche and say Kenny and Rich Swan. Oh, such a good match, though. It was a good match. I thought they were going to die at one point when they got up on the top rope. Yeah, and about fell forward. I was like, they are literally going to decapitate themselves uh, five feet in front of me. I also really like the knockout tag team championship. Yes, match. that was good, and it was about, cool seeing the debut of W. Morrissey. I was about to say, first, how awesome is it that Rachel Ellering picks up the tag titles in her debut match? Pretty dang good. Pretty dope. And anytime Jordan has success, I'll cheer her on because she oh, yeah. is a wonderful person. And a friend of the podcast. Yeah, and W. Morrissey making his debut. Formerly known as Big Cass or Cass XL. Man, crazy weekend. What about you, Davis? What was your favorite part? 
So because I was at work, I didn't get to see a whole lot of the show, but I did get to see the opening match, and it was really good. That triple threat match between Ace Austin, Josh Alexander, and TJP. Holy hell, what a great match. That was a great match. I did not expect Josh Alexander to walk away, uh, to walk away champion from that one. That was a really unexpected outcome. Dude, he is a beast, especially up close. He reminds me almost like a... Not exactly like, but he definitely reminds me of a young Kurt Angle. Oh wow! Just like just in his movements. Oh wow! It's really I'll, awesome. I'll watch more of his single stuff because I've only ever seen his stuff with North. But yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear Impact was pretty much like a, a family to you. They were very good to your boy, That's and I really cool. hope that one day we can all go as a family. That'd be sick. Well, enough about current impact as much as I do enjoy it. We are a retro TNA podcast after all. Today we are reviewing TNA Impact from July 15th, 2005. The show opens with a recap of Jeff Jarrett and Zach Gowan from the previous week where KP so elegantly put it earlier. Jeff Jarrett just showed up and started ringing the damn bell. Started bullying old Zach Gowan <laughs> before hitting him with the guitar and throwing oh, yeah. down a challenge for Raven and Abyss. We then get our opening hype package before being sent to the ring for Team Canada, the pairing of Petey Williams and Eric Young taking on Samoa Joe and ex-division champion Christopher Daniels. Right off the bat, what do you think of that team? That that I was I was like, whoa, Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe. Now oh, this is a team I did not know I wanted. So was this a heel versus heel match? Because I'm pretty sure Christopher Daniels is a heel. How astute of you to notice. Because <laughs> yes, everyone in this match, yeah, are heels. <laughs> and it, hey, it worked somehow everybody always tells me that you know it always has to be a face versus heel that you can't have face versus face or heel versus heel but mm, i say otherwise yeah that was that was a, a a pretty interesting opener like um the t- i didn't expect samoa joe and christopher daniels and like kp was saying a heel versus heel everybody was heels i'm like all right well at least it's a interesting team on the non-Canadian side. Yeah, I, I had to make sure, go back and make sure I didn't miss something because I was like, did somebody turn face and this is what they're doing? No, no, this is just a straight heel versus heel match. Has it really been established that Joe is a heel? I know he's just killing bitches, but you can he, be a face and kill bitches. He's Joe, okay? He's basically like a vigilante. <laughs> he lives in a plane of existence all to his own. It's kind of like Mox. He's not really a heel, but he does a lot of heel stuff. Yeah, pretty much. But Williams and Joe start the match. Daniels attacks Williams from behind as he and Joe are staring each other down. After we return from commercial break, Team Canada are in control. It's a really solid match, but in the end, the conclusion comes when Joe throws Young to the outside and tags Daniels back into the ring Chris Saban, Joe's opponent for this coming pay-per-view, runs out and attacks Samoa Joe. The referee has all of his attention directed inside the ring. 
So Joe and Saban are fighting around ringside. They make their way to the back. Meanwhile, in the ring, Christopher Daniels nails an STO on Petey Williams and locks in a Koji clutch. But Eric Young comes off the top rope with an elbow drop to break up the pinfall. Young then throws Daniels into Petey Williams, and Petey nails the Canadian Destroyer to get the pinfall. I appreciate the fact that they kind of protected Joe with this finish by having him leave the ring and you know fight off elsewhere while Daniels gets the uh, Daniels takes the pin. It's it seems like they're really like uh, trying to keep Joe uh, uh, looking strong for a while here. And I, I'd hope so. I mean, it's fucking Smoke Joe. You can't really book him bad. I just want to talk about the the sick ass uh, Uranagi that Joe hit on Young, and then just turns around and hits a power slam on Petey Williams. And I'm like, shit, dude. He's always laid in those Uranagis. It's one of oh, yeah. my favorite moves in his arsenal. Like every time he hits that, I'm like, oh hell yeah, fuck him up, but, Joe. But it's no Canadian Destroyer, as the commentary team put over, like, the Canadian Destroyer is the most devastating move in 2005 TNA. Like, if you get hit by that, it's over. I feel like the Uranagi probably hurts more, though. <laughs> right? Just to be probably. honest. I love the way that they set up that camera angle where it looks like uh, Daniels was about to win and then just out of fucking nowhere, Eric Young just hits, <laughs> just lands on in the way they have it set. You don't see Eric Young. You just see Daniels pinned in P Williams. And all of a sudden you see Eric Young <laughs> hit both of them. Hit that elbow. We then cut backstage with Terry Taylor. He is with Cassidy Riley. Riley says that he has something he wants to get off his chest. And that's thank you to a man that he owes a lot of gratitude to. And that man is Raven. He thanks Raven for saving him for what would have been sheer destruction from Abyss. Terry Taylor just casually reminds Cassidy Riley that, you know, isn't that the guy that broke your fingers and is like super selfish and standoffish and kind of only cares about Raven? And Riley pretty much says, oh, you know, he only did that so I could feel pain. He just wants me to utilize that. He wants Raven to know that if he needs his help anytime, that he will be there for him. And then thanks, Raven, once again to close out the segment. I got very much flock vibes from this. Like, I'm not saying that Raven is trying to start one like that, but just how how Riley was acting. I was like, this kind of reminds me of like Raven's flock kind of thing where they all just worship the ground that Raven walked on. And another thing, I want that TNA shirt that Riley had on. Like the, hey. the, the, I was thinking the same thing. I was about to, <laughs> I was to say, where can we get the tie-dye TNA shirt? <laughs> Impact, so for me, new ones. For me, I was thinking is like a mix between the flock and like WWE debuting Mickey James when she was obsessed with Trish Stratus. Oh God. Yes. Like not, not saying this put out any sort of homosexual vibes or anything like that, but he just seemed obsessed with the Raven. Yeah. 
I, I, it was hilarious though seeing him like look down at his fingers like no this is a gift he gave me it's like how's breaking your fingers a gift <laughs> just they just got to watch out for mistletoes backstage now <laughs> as the resident queer person in this uh group that's not something most of us are into just having our fingers broke i'm i can say what's well, nothing hey, i'm, I'm in shame i mean yeah exactly i don't kink shame but that's mm. Yeah. And speaking of kink shaming, though, we then get a recap package of the Raven Abyss feud, complete with music straight from a porn soundtrack. <laughs> What'd y'all think about this music here? <laughs> oh God, it was it was something, and uh, fucking legendary segue right there. <laughs> it's hard to take a blood feud seriously. <laughs> when the music in the background sounds like the preview to like a Playboy <laughs> thing on video on demand from Charter in like 2007, it's hard to take. You say that was oddly that was oddly specific. That was just that was just something you just a, came up on your hand. Yeah, right. It's just a made up scenario. Just a made up thing. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I totally wasn't thinking like a Skinamax preview. Like I definitely wouldn't say the name of, 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 of what he was thinking of. No, 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 definitely not. Not definitely not. But, but yeah, you definitely, if you, if you want to get over a blood feud, don't, don't use porno music. Yeah. It kind of beats the purpose. And speaking of dickheads, we get a recap of Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> next. <laughs> Holy fuck. That's so funny. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> You're two for two now on Segway. Boom! Why, why am I part of this podcast? Why did I agree to do this? <laughs> Speaking of dickheads, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they did show a video of him just blasting a one-legged man with a damn guitar. So <laughs> I feel like hey, that. Hop called. along. Are you deaf too? Hey, hop along. <laughs> Listen up, slap nuts. <laughs> they show a recap of Jarrett calling out Raven in Abyss. And then we head back to the ring for, honestly, one of the work rate matches of the century. You can sit down and ask just about any wrestler today why they got in the business. And a lot of them will point out this match. You know, it's very influential. A lot of people say it was ahead of its time, you know, it's groundbreaking revolution. <laughs> now I'm just fucking with you. It's Simon Diamond and Triton versus Sonny Siaki and Apollo. I wish y'all could see Prescott's face. I know. Uh, well, I'm, I, I'm shocked that Triton is even still a thing. <laughs> he won't so, be for too much longer. <laughs> I'm going to say this here and now, and no disrespect to any of the four men. They're all way better than I could ever do. This match wasn't bad, but oh my God, I was bored as shit. Yeah, me too. <laughs> After the very, very long week that I've had, you know, I, I about fell asleep before we recorded the podcast tonight. I'm like sitting through and watching this. Uh, I didn't pay it the utmost attention. I'll be honest here, but 
Apollo and Simon Diamond start off the match. Apollo with the obvious strength advantage. We do get a big man showdown between Triton and Apollo, but ultimately Triton wins for his team with a T3. How many stars would you give that, KP? Half a star, maybe, just for the effort. I mean, I, I would give it a solid 10. Eh. Meltzer would be proud. After this, three live crew make their way to the ring. Conan is going on his normal pre-match spiel when all of a sudden the outlaw and Monty Brown run in from behind and attack the three live crew. Outlaw and Brown beat them down with stomps. There is a bit of a brawl and ultimately security comes out and tries to separate the men as the match is deemed a no contest before the bell can even ring. A little confusing. I was like, huh? So they're just going <laughs> to just throw the match out then. And then they uh, end up making the match uh, at the pay-per-view, the same exact match, but no DQ. Yeah, I was. I didn't know if it was supposed to be in a match or if Three Live Crew was coming out to talk, and then they just got jumped. So, and I guess I guess the storyline is this was actually supposed to be a match, but they couldn't stop fighting long enough to actually yeah. have a match, so they just threw it out. Yeah, that's what I gathered too. Uh, I noticed that there's still going on with this BG James thing. I want to know how long they're going to drag this out. Because there are so many times they could have ended this and it would have been a good way to doing whatever they're going to do with this. But nope. Yeah, the current way they are prolonging this is basically by saying, well, BG James didn't show up for work today and he hasn't shown up to work for a while. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they said he's, he's, he hadn't been there in like weeks. <laughs> Not very professional. You know, if I just no-showed a bunch of New South shows, I probably would not be working for them anymore. So, <laughs> get on the ball, BG. Damn. After this, we have some X-Division action as Shocker goes one-on-one with the player from the Himalayas, Sanjay Dutt. I mean, there's not much to be said about this match. I feel like you can pretty much understand what's happening here. I mean, it's X division action, man. It's fast paced. The two trade many, many holds, but ultimately shocker wins via a roll up. It was a pretty fun little match. A boy shocker still showing the world what he can do. And that's not eating McDonald's. They didn't mention that at all. I was like, what? I, I was very happy about that. I was, like, I was very finally... happy. I was very happy with that, too, because fuck McDonald's. Exactly. After, after McDonald's. that raw-ass <laughs> chicken sandwich that I bit into, coming home from Action Wrestling in Georgia, making yep. my Action Wrestling debut ring announcing for the first episode of Next Up, which you can find right now on IWTV, but that's besides the point. Driving home, stopping at a random ass McDonald's because nothing else was open. I order. It's the only thing I wanted. I just wanted the new chicken sandwich. It looks so great. You see it in the pictures. It looks nice. It looks lovely, doesn't it? it does. But what they don't tell you is when it's dark and you're in the back seat of the locksmith, the Brandon Williams vehicle, 
and you smell the aromas. You smell the cracked black pepper inside of the breading, and you you're just longing for it. You're lusting for it. You need it in your mouth, and you put it between your lips, and you take a bite, and it's cold and soft. You spit it in the bag and you say, what's going on? What happened? Why is this happening to me? And you put the flashlight on the fucking chicken sandwich. And to quote Gordon Ramsay, it's fucking raw. This was traumatizing, man. Damn. And if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen my beef with McDonald's. I refuse to let it go. Every the, damn day the rest of my life, I will say fuck McDonald's because that I feel, was... I would feel betrayed. That was one of the worst things to happen in my entire life. So do we I mean, expect Carmen versus McDonald's in a hell in a cell? Fuck that clown. <laughs> fuck him. I mean, I had one when they first came out and it was like a budget Popeyes or, or Zach's piece or something like that. It was like... It's okay. Well, he can catch a McTwo-piece to the McDome because I'm knocking his ass out on McSite. Exactly. The only, thing, the only thing McDonald's is going to get out of that altercation is an autopsy. <laughs> Goddamn right. Fuck, Fuck McDonald's. Sandwich. They're not even the cheapest place to eat anymore. You can go to Wendy's and get way better food for way less money. If they were fucking open, I would have. Yeah. Bullshit, man. That's that's weird. They're usually open to like one, two in the morning, two in the morning. So thank you guys once again to for tuning in to the Fuck McDonald's podcast. Exactly. That's all the time we have for this week. <laughs> Join us next week as we tell you more about why you should not eat McDonald's. Hold on, we have the kinky part coming up next. God. Speaking of clowns with fetishes. <laughs> Sorry for getting sidetracked there. <laughs> I may have gone on a little rant. Maybe I'm not quite over that. But to get back on track, we then cut backstage with James Mitchell and Abyss. Mitchell says, just as he promised, he got Abyss one-on-one in a title match with the Raven Mitchell says Raven thought he was going to pull a fast one by putting Abyss in a dog collar match. But Raven is a fool because he is going to be chained to a monster, you see. Raven will be crippled. And Mitchell says to remember that he can't surrender. He did it to himself and he must face the judge. Okay, so... I'm going to throw in my two cents here. First of all, didn't know bamboozled was a word in 2005. I thought that was more of a modern era word. Also, the fact that James Mitchell, who's an excellent promo, by the way, I didn't know he was this good, uh, yes, said that, that Abyss is going to pound and pound and pound and pound Raven. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Kiki. Oh, yeah. Say it again. Say it slower. It's- going to pound and pound and pound and pound Ooh, like you mean it like you mean it like you mean it okay our, our podcast it, is going to go from mature rating to x really quickly but yeah uh as david said james mitchell is an excellent promo 
And I, I love the fact that he can stay cutting this awesome promo while Abyss is in the background beating, <laughs> throwing chains around, and he doesn't even flinch, like doesn't even affect him at all. He still stays in full-on promo mode. That is a professional right there. I mean, <laughs> thank you for fact, bringing that up. <laughs> also, the fact that, you know, Abyss is going, rawr, 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 yeah, clank, pretty clank, much clank, the entire clank. time, Abyss is just flexing and moving his arms around and basically going, and meanwhile father james mitchell is just standing there cutting his promo like nothing is going on behind him i mean this really is pretty gay i mean he does all that and then you know mitchell says he's gonna i guess he's gonna pound raven so mm. yeah we're talking about we're talking about large men grunting and wearing collars and pounding like oh lord I feel like I'm back at Effie's Big Gay Brunch again. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Effie was right. Everything is gay. On a podcast about men who wrestle each other wearing no pants for a belt. <laughs> right. That's all scripted. Whoa. How dare you? What the fuck, man? Why would you say that? Uh... What what next? You gonna tell me Santa isn't real? You gonna tell me that they're hot moms in my area looking to fuck? Because my phone tells me that there is. I get an email just about every other day saying that. You telling me this magic pill won't add eight inches to my boner? Oh, I better. What the hell? Fucking liar. <laughs> And speaking of boners, we then get a video recap of the Sean Waltman, AJ Styles feud with comments from special (laughs) referee Jerry Lynn. Styles versus Waltman coming up at the upcoming pay-per-view. Are you as excited as I am? I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say speaking of boners excited, but... (laughs) I mean, Sean, Sean Waltman is a good-looking man, but Sean Waltman and and AJ that that, that is going to be a good match. But man, that was wow! That was quite the segue. Uh, now, now is this going to be regular AJ Styles, or are we going to get full power uh, final form AJ Styles uh, with the pink pop collar shirt? I don't know. I I really feel like. AJ has a distinct advantage if he goes into here fresh out of his shift at Abercrombie. Right. That's what I figured. If if he if he walks out of that tunnel with a popped collar, Sean oh, is in trouble. And if he has a thin silver chain too. Ooh. Bruh. No, no, no. If we really want scissors, get get one of those like uh those like uh shell uh uh shell necklaces. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, then that is full on power out there. Some Sean, axe, axe Sean Phoenix Waltman body spray. No, what hit him? I'm just sitting here as the old person in the group, and like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? The fucking '90s, okay, and early 2000s. Well, unfortunately, we don't get super powered popped collar AJ Styles in this match, but we do get AJ Styles teaming up with Sean Waltman to take on. Team Canada, but it's the Bobby Roode and A1 combination. So it's not exactly their best pairing here. 
But AJ and Waltman are opponents this coming Sunday. But they'll have to leave their issues between them to the side if they want to coexist and win this match. I will say Waltman and Styles surprisingly make a very good team given this information. But things aren't meant to last, especially when you face an established team like Team Canada. Waltman goes for an enziguri onto Bobby Roode. But Roode ducks and Waltman just nails AJ right in the head. Rude then hits a Northern Lariat to the back of Waltman and picks up the pinfall. After the match, Waltman attacks AJ and the fight is broken apart by special enforcer, Jerry Lynn. So I'm, I'm getting to the point now and we've done what 20 something of these at this point. That, this is episode 21. That Team Canada is there to like, hey, let's make this dream tag team and put them against Team Canada. That's just what we do now. Or what they've yes. always done. Also, Bobby Roode hit an awesome power slam in the middle of the match. That was He's always, he's always had, had a good power slam. And AJ was just being AJ the whole time. Just, you know, doing the crazy AJ style shit that we love him for. I hate that uh, Styles and Waltman are in a feud. Well, actually, I don't hate it, but I do hate it for this thing because I, I would like to see them team up more But because th- this was a re- actually a really good team up despite them being in a feud. You know what I hate? What? I hate this town. It's, so it's washed all washed up. up and all my friends don't give, don't a, fuck. give a fuck. Yeah, that's what I Don't thinking. tell me that it's just bad luck. Or will I find where I fit in? Hate this town. One, two, three, four. So here's a question. Davis to get us back on topic. About. Here's a question to get us back on topic. Is Sean Waltman taller than AJ Styles? Yes, he is. Yeah, AJ Styles is short. I, I knew that, but I also knew that Sean Waltman was short. And I was like, wait, he's taller than AJ? And to tie this all together... In our closing segment, Raven vows to make this upcoming pay-per-view a day Abyss will remember. As he is sitting on some steps backstage, (laughs) he says Mitchell is asking Abyss to commit suicide by having him compete in this match on Sunday. He'd be better off having Abyss lay in a bathtub and throwing a toaster in with him and it'd be much less painful compared to what he had planned for him. Raven reminds Abyss that there will be no quitting because quitting is not an option in this match. The match can only end in pinfall, and Raven says he might not decide to pin him for a while. Segment fades out as Raven promises to make Abyss a corpse. And thus ends the July 15th, 2005 episode of Impact Wrestling. Yep. What are your initial thoughts? Raven basically informed us that we're going to see a murder at No Surrender. Hey, kids, you want to see a murder? So, two things. One, commentary is like, we'll see you next time on Impact. I think they say, we'll see you at the pay-per-view. 
And then we just cut to Raven. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And he cuts that promo. Also, has he always had candles on the stairs? Isn't that where you leave your candles? Uh, No. No. You don't leave your candles leading halfway up a set of stairs? Yeah, just just halfway up. They didn't even go all the way up. Just halfway up. Oh, you know he left them, too. And some poor person was coming down the steps. Oh, Oh, fuck. Who put these here? I'm trying to carry boxes over here. It's like, God damn it, Raven. I take that back. They knew exactly who it was. Like, oh, that fucking weirdo Raven leaving candles everywhere again. Not even the apple cinnamon con. What the fuck, Raven? These are like those shitty Walmart tea candles. I bet the candle oh, Is this a tornado in Alabama? What the fuck? I bet the the candle wax cleanup sucks at impact. But to get to get to your question, initial thoughts, it it's it it was it was an episode of impact. It wasn't bad. I've seen worse. I've seen much worse. Thank you for jumping in before I could make a joke about the candle wax. I'm trying to get us on track. I'm trying to get done with this so Carmen can go to bed. But no, yo. God bless you. <laughs> like Davis said it was it was an episode of impact um uh, i'm really i don't know it's like there was some good stuff and then it was just mostly just kind of uh really not much that's that's pretty much about it yeah compared to the last week's episode which i yeah. thought was really great i had high hopes for this but uh yeah well we'll, we'll get to the final verdict later But first, we must go to the mailbag. This week's question comes from Blake Latham, who says he sees a lot of similarities between TNA and ECW, and he wants to know what would some of your TNA versus ECW dream matches be? As someone who didn't watch ECW, um, I'm going to say... Tommy Dreamer and Raven, which probably happened in thousands of other promotions. Probably happened in ECW. It was literally their biggest feud ever was Tommy Dreamer versus Raven in ECW. (laughs) As the person who didn't watch ECW, that sounds really fun. I mean, in that case, why don't we just have ECW Raven versus TNA Raven? Throw some some WCW Raven in there, too, for the fun of it. Ooh, triple threat. I love it. Can we bring in WWF Johnny Polo? Uh, So so we did establish that we could use... WWE's ECW, right? I mean, if you really want to. Of, of any year? Give just, me... Okay. okay. Just, just ECW. Okay. ECW just in general. Okay. Uh, so, uh, give me Raven from TNA. And here's one. ECW CM Punk. <laughs> Again, a match that happened in TNA. <laughs> God damn it. Are you fucking serious? They had a big feud in TNA. <laughs> I love y'all so much. That's great. I, we're establishing right now, I don't know mid-2000s wrestling at all. 
like after WCW and then like 2016. That's all I know. That's what I love about y'all, though, is that y'all are still really fresh to the whole wrestling thing. Okay, fine. Give me ECW uh, champion uh, Bobby Lashley <laughs> <laughs> and TNA's Monty Brown. Ooh. I mean, that would be a good match. Ooh. That'd be a good match. Oof. Mm. So you, you thought I was going to say something you was going to buy. Oh, that already happened. Okay, hold on. I, I'm coming up with a few here because you just sprung an idea. Exactly. I want... I'll do three matches here because I could go on all day. I want ECW Rob Van Dam versus AJ Styles. Yes. Yes. I want ECW Sabu versus Abyss. Ooh. And I want ECW Rhino versus Monty Brown. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Give me. Yeah. Give me ECW Dudley Boys and America's Most Wanted. Oh, yeah, that'd yeah. be some good shit too. Hell, hell, Dudley Boys and like we'll do Team Canada with like Petey and Rude, maybe or Eric Young, either one. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it so much. But now comes the time where we find out how much we really did dig it, y'all. It's time for the final verdict. So for those tuning in for the first time, we have a very scientific scale here. Was this episode of TNA Impact from July 15th, 2005, TN Amazing, TNA, TN, eh. TN acceptable or TN awful. KP, let's start with you. How would you rate this episode of TNA Impact? Ooh, uh, gonna have to go with TN acceptable. Like I said, it was just basically just an episode of Impact. It really wasn't much going on. There was a couple good. Uh, there, there was some matches that had had some good action, but I mean overall, this was extremely skippable. I mean, I don't really see anything from this entire episode that I was like, "Oh man, you really have to. You can't miss this. You really have to go back and watch this." What about you, Davis? So I wrote down TNA, but after going back over it, I think I'm going to have to lower it to TN, TN acceptable because other than the opening match and the main event, it was just for a go home show on top of that. Like, come on now, you could have done so much more. And, you know, they did, you know, sprinkle some extra stuff into the current feuds, but there was nothing like, just like, oh my god, you have to buy this pay-per-view. But it, pay-per-view looks really fun, but this episode did not make me excited for the pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't anything offensive about this show. It wasn't necessarily bad, but it definitely wasn't 
good at the same time. It was just kind of there. I did really enjoy the Team Canada versus Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels match. That was really fun. I liked the promos from Father James Mitchell and from Raven. But I think I'm going to have to agree with y'all. This one is TN acceptable for the reasons we all have laid out. But again, not a terrible show. Just not something I would recommend just going out of your way to watch. What just really makes it not good is that this was a fucking go-home show. You're supposed to be building the pay-per-view. You want some kind of exciting thing to leave the people wanting to buy your pay-per-view. And pay-per-views were expensive back then. Like, come on now. Sorry, I had to throw that out there. No, I agree 100% there. With it being a go-home show, you would think there would be a lot more excitement and, you know, close the show with, oh my God, you have to tune in this Sunday to find out what's happening. But, uh, not really. It, it is what it is. It wasn't that bad, but probably could have found something better to do with that hour. <laughs> this concludes today's episode. As always, you can find us on Twitter at TNAnalysis. Pick up a shirt. We got plenty of designs over at storefrontier.com slash total nonstop analysis. You can find me on Twitter at Carmen M. Childers. Make sure you also follow New South Wrestling, where I do commentary and am a ring announcer at New South underscore PW. You know what? Make sure you're following at Impact Wrestling as well. We're just coming off a huge pay-per-view rebellion. We got another one coming up under Siege where we will be determining a new number one contender for Sir Kenneth Omega for the Impact Wrestling Championships. There's going to be a six-way match to determine a winner. We got all kinds of special things planned that... I probably can't talk about, but we do have some new Japan talent coming over. Not sure if y'all saw that El Phantasmo from the Bullet Club has been announced for next week's show. I can promise you that there's some good stuff there. So make sure y'all are watching over the next few weeks. KP, I know you're a busy person as well. Where can the folks find you and what do you have going on this week? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle S. Prescott. As far as i got going on this week, tomorrow I will be back in my favorite place, uh, New South Pro Wrestling, watching uh, the Win City Homecoming show. Hey, the return of Baron Black, our two-time former New South heavyweight champion. Can he regain the title for the third time and make history? That would be... That'd be something, but I, I am looking forward to Double Down versus Petty and Pink in a ladder match for the tag championships. Yeah, and if Double Down loses, they must disband as a tag team. No more Suge D and Kung Fu Donnie Janela tag teaming? That's not a world I want to live in. Say it isn't but so. By the time you listen to this, the show will have already happened, but... You can watch it on IWTV pretty soon. Just keep your eye out for it. As always, watch New South Action Clash every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Central. 
If you're new to IWTV, that's independentwrestling.tv, make sure to use code NEWSOUTH, all one word when you sign in for the very first time. That will help us out tremendously. Davis, I hope I see your beautiful face tomorrow in person as well. Where can the folks find you, and what do you have going on this week? Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Kyrick3289. That's K-Y-R-I-C-3289. You can find me over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Kyrick. And I, too, will be at the Wind City Homecoming Show, New South Pro Wrestling. And we get to watch, also on the card, friend of the podcast, Dylon, taking on that despicable Miami Ice Rolando Perez. Yeah, what a jerk. Jerk face. Yeah. I don't like him. He stole I heard he stole a man's wife and his girlfriend. On the same time. His wife and his girlfriend? I mean, you gotta leave yes. the man one. Exactly. Jesus. What a what a dastardly heel. And hopefully, while we're there, we also get to see I don't know if we want to call them friends of the podcast, but I'm sure our 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 boys, you know, the body shop. I consider them my boys. Well, I'll they got a lot of making up to do before yeah. I let them onto this podcast again. But I am true. willing to give it a shot. Maybe we, we can talk terms at the New South show. Well, we laid out terms on the last show, and I do believe they have agreed I do believe they have elected to send Thunder Thighs onto the podcast relatively soon. And if he does well and he treats us with the respect that we deserve, because damn it, we're professionals, okay? We may we may tell dick jokes and talk about wrestling, but we are professionals and the body shop will treat us as such or else we won't give them a platform to showcase their abilities and talk about their muscles. Exactly. I'm glad they're sending thunder thighs. He, he he's a good kid. Yeah, he so, is a good kid. so hopefully, you know, he won't let them down. Well, I hope not for their sake, but we will find out very, very soon. And who knows? Maybe if things go to plan there, we will do our first ever watch along. We'll do that along with the body shop. I feel like that could be interesting. But terms and conditions must be <laughs> met beforehand. But with that being said, we are all out of time this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you will join us next week as we review TNA No Surrender 2005. On behalf of myself, KP, and Davis, this has been... Total nonstop analysis. <laughs> <laughs>